We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures, visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, Daniel, how many dimensions do you have? Ooh, more than I'd like these days. Too many late night snacks from the fourth dimension? (laughs) Yeah, or from the fridge dimension, actually. Yeah, that's like its own mini universe (laughs) of um, deliciousness. Where I'm both a master and a slave. But uh, aside from how many cookies are involved, how do you know you're a three-dimensional being? I mean, I don't know. The world seems to be three dimensions. Yeah, but so does the stuff on my TV, but that's just like how your brain perceives it. All right, well, then if I'm just like in a two-dimensional matrix, does that mean I can eat as many snacks as I want? Uh, well, technically, yes, if you're in a 2D world, you can eat all the 2D snacks you want and gain zero weight. I'll be right back. I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist and a professor at UC Irvine, and I enjoy any dimension snack. Really? 
even a one-dimensional snack. I guess spaghetti is a one-dimensional snack, technically, <laughs> especially the spaghettini or the angel hair. Yeah, exactly. I don't discriminate. I'm not a dimensionist. I see all dimensions as equal. So welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we take apart the universe into its various dimensions, the ones that are understood and the ones that remain puzzling. We take your mind on a journey into all of those dimensions, trying to understand what we do know about the universe and what we don't. We range from the smallest of questions about the smallest of things and their color and shape and whether they spin all the way out to the biggest and deepest and broadest of questions about the nature of the human context in this crazy and beautiful cosmos. Because it is a pretty wild universe and we like to take you uh, on the up and the down and the front and the back and the left and the right and the... And the good and the bad jokes as well. <laughs> That's right. There's a lot to explore in the universe is what I'm saying. We span the entire dimension of humor all the way from puns to dad jokes. Is there anything else? <laughs> Aren't this on the same axis or the same, <laughs> you know, point? Is there such a thing as a non-silly dad pun? My teenagers say that any joke I make is a dad joke. Oh, I see. You have no death, according to them. <laughs> That's right. It's all one dimensional. And their sense of humor seems to be one dimensional too, because uh, you're pretty funny, Daniel. For a physicist, I guess. That's a two dimensional compliment right yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Projected onto the surface of physicists, you look pretty funny. But yeah, we like to explore all the big questions about the universe, what's real and possibly what's not real in this universe, because this universe seems to have a lot of surprises in store for us. That's right. We as an intelligent species have been digging into the question of the nature of reality. What is actually out there? And is it different from what we perceive? We would like to know something true, something universal about the universe, not just what humans think it might be, but something we could like compare notes with aliens about. Right, but what if the aliens are, since they're in the same universe, what if they're just as fooled as we are by this crazy kind of a trickster universe we live in. I believe in the wisdom of the crowd. You know, if you average over infinite intelligent races, somebody out there has got to figure out what the universe is actually like. I don't like the idea that we've all been fooled in just the same way. And you know that from the internet, <laughs> I guess, is a good test bed for that idea. Yeah, absolutely. On the internet, you can find every possible opinion. With evidence, without evidence, it doesn't really matter. You can find all the dimensions there. You certainly can. But our goal on this podcast and as a species is to unravel the fundamental nature of the universe, to see it for what it is and to ask the most basic questions about what it's like and its structure and its shape. Yeah, and sometimes these questions sort of make you uncomfortable, maybe, uh, Daniel, as a physicist, because, you know, we're sort of questioning how real is real or how real are the things that physicists think are real. That doesn't make me uncomfortable. That makes me excited when we're on the verge of like revealing that the universe is totally different from the way that we thought it was, that we're all just, you know, projections on the wall of Plato's cave. That's exciting because it means we're going to learn something. We're going to emerge from like some shroud of ignorance and actually understand something deep and true about the universe. Even if it upends everything we thought we knew and changes the entire context of our existence, that's sort of the goal of physics. Maybe I'm just projecting here, Daniel, because it makes me a little bit uncomfortable to think that everything I know is to be real is not actually real. Well, I'm pretty sure that's true. 
Well, today we're going to be asking one one sort of version of this question, is the universe real? And it has to do with sort of like the dimensionality of the universe and how many dimensions it actually has. And is it different than the number of dimensions we feel and see and touch and can feel ourselves in? That's right. And we're going to use the word dimension here. And we don't mean, you know, like the alternate dimension where everything is made out of marshmallows or where aliens escape to as sort of a parallel universe. You see that a lot in science fiction. What we mean by dimension mentioned here really is the mathematical description of it, meaning just like a direction of possible motion. And I've always found it fascinating that our universe has three dimensions or seems to have three dimensions, because you've got to wonder like, why three? Three is such a weird number. Yeah. So today on the program, we'll be asking the question... Is the universe a hologram? Now, Daniel, are you sure we can't just talk about the marshmallow dimension where all the, all the aliens are? That sounds like a pretty good podcast topic. To me. Are the aliens made of marshmallows in that dimension or do they just eat marshmallows? I don't know. You tell me. You're the one projecting this image into my brain. Maybe they go hunting for marshmallows. So the question is, is the universe a hologram? Now, this is a pretty interesting question. Are you saying like the whole universe where we live in is a hologram? Like an illusion kind of? Yeah, that's sort of the idea that maybe the universe doesn't actually have three dimensions. Maybe it's actually just the projection in our minds or in our experience of what's actually a two-dimensional universe that sort of like feels like three dimensions that we can experience as if it was three dimensions, sort of like a hologram. Although, you know, it, it makes the universe sound like a cheap trick. <laughs> like one of those baseball cards or those little tinfoil things you put on dollar bills. Yeah, like buy yourself a 99 cent universe. Sounds like a bargain. <laughs> but I love these kinds of questions because they go to the very core of the nature of reality. You know, if we are wrong about the number of dimensions of space, what else are we wrong about? Maybe everything. And that might make some people uncomfortable, but it makes me excited because it means that there might be crazy mind blowing revelations about the very nature of reality around the corner. Yeah, so this is a pretty tricky question. Is the universe a hologram? And so as usual, uh, we were curious how many people out there had thought about this question or have an opinion on this question. So Daniel went out there into the internet to ask people, is our universe a hologram? So thank you, people of the internet for participating. And if you are a person of the internet and you'd like to volunteer to answer random questions, please, it's very easy and fun and just takes a few minutes. Write to us to questions at danielandjorge.com. So think about it for a second. Do you think the universe you live in is nothing but an illusion, a hologram? Here's what people had to say. Sure doesn't seem like it. A holograph, as I understand it, is just a trick of light. I don't know what hollow means. I'm part of the universe and I feel like I have substance. And even if that's just a trick of my brain and I am just an image, how can a light-based image create self-awareness? So I'm guessing no. I could be somebody else's dream. Um, yeah, I think no, no, uh, I don't know why it sounds like somebody gave up and said, well, it's a holograph, man. And that's it. It's a holograph. But, uh, well, even if it's a holograph, who made it? Why? And who's paying for it? I'm not paying for that. I would say no, because a holograph is a 
3D display of light, so photons, which are massless. And as far as I can see, stuff around me, at least myself, we have mass. So I find it very hard to imagine that the universe is a holograph. Of course. Of course the universe is a holograph. Uh, no, I, I'm not sure if the universe is a holograph or not. I have heard some theory that maybe the universe is, uh, it's a two-dimensional image projected onto three-dimensional space or something like that. I have heard this theory, but I, uh, it's been a long time and I uh, don't quite remember how it goes. Well, technically a holograph, I think, is a written uh, something that someone has written in their own, own hands. So maybe the uh, universe is a holograph if you call God the writer of the manuscript. Not sure there. Maybe from our perspective on Earth, the universe actually is a holograph. For example, it bends and refracts and reflects light in many different directions depending on where you are in it. I've heard of the holographic principle. I can't remember exactly what that is. But I think it might be related to the Maldacena conjecture, which says that, well, assuming the universe is ADS, in other words, it has negative curvature, then everything in the universe, all the information that is important in the universe can be represented um, on the surface of a boundary surrounding the entire universe. All right. Some pretty confident answers here. Some people were like, of course. Some people were like, no, I don't think so. And some people, <laughs> people said, <laughs> sounds very uh, technical. Yeah, exactly. And I also like the ones that focus on the definition of a hologram or a holograph. Mm, are those two things different? A holograph and a hologram? Yeah. Confusingly, the two things have almost nothing in common. Like a hologram is what we're talking about. It's a trick of light that it gives the impression of a 3D volume from a 2D surface. You know, this is the kind of thing you'll see on a baseball card or on a dollar bill, etc. A holograph is actually just like an essay written by one person in their own handwriting. What? <laughs> I know. And then holography is the study of holograms, not the study of holographs. And the holographic principle that we're going to be talking about today, that the universe might be a hologram, is not the hologramic principle, it's the holographic principle. Oh, man. That's before we even get to English units, right? Because then you have to talk about the hollow pounds and the hollow ounces. And then eventually you have to talk about the hollow deck, which, you know, then we get into real nerd territory. Exactly. This entire podcast has been nothing but an exercise of the hollow deck. None of this has been real. <laughs> your whole life. We're all just, you know, AIs in your little uh, cosplay here, Daniel. No, I thought I was in your hollow deck experience. I thought you were the real What? One. What? Uh -oh. I thought I, I thought you were. What? Maybe <laughs> we're both AIs. Somebody over here better be real. Otherwise, this whole thing is a bad joke. It's holograms all the way down. <laughs> That's the real hologramic principle. So, yeah, it seems to have a lot of definitions. And so I guess let's get down to business and let's lay it down for people. Like, what is the one that we're talking about today? We're talking about holograms, right? And I guess, what does that mean? That's right. We're talking about holograms, which is part of this idea of the holographic principle that the universe might be a hologram. And so, again, what we mean by hologram is the projection of two-dimensional surface 
into a three-dimensional space. And that sounds fancy and mathematical, but really what we mean is something that looks like it has volume, like it's three dimensions, X, Y, and Z, but really there's only enough information for X and Y, that you can take all the information in volume and somehow encode it on a flat surface. And you might be familiar with one of these things. It's something you can look at like at a sheet of paper. And as you change your angle, the image changes just as if you were looking at something that had three dimensions. So we think it has three dimensions, but really it's, we're just looking at a 2D surface, which means that all of that sort of 3D information is sort of encoded or, or, you know, written down in that 2D piece of paper somehow? Exactly, because a 3D object, when you look at it, you only ever see a 2D slice, right? You see one side of it, or you see another side of it, or you see another side of it. So a 3D object has all of those 2D slices somehow encoded into it, right? And so a hologram is a 2D surface with all that 3D information encoded into it somehow so that when you look at it from different angles, you see the right 2D slice. So your brain is like, oh, that's a 3D object. Just sort of like in Star Wars when Princess Leia is projected out of R2-D2, right? It's not just she's on a screen. It looks like she's there. And they have these all over Star Wars all the time. Though they're like confusingly low tech, right? They're always like weird and flickery. Anyway, Princess Leia says, you know, help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. And that's a hologram because it looks like she's sort of taking up physical volume rather than just printed onto a screen. Right. And right now you're my only hope, Daniel, because I'm a little bit confused here. <laughs> because it gets tricky, right? Because you're talking about Princess Leia. And so she's been projected into that 3D world, but we're looking at it on a flat screen. And then we're looking at it through two eyeballs, which also kind of take 2D pictures. So are we talking about the sort of illusion of depth or are we talking about things having actual depth encoded in a 2D surface? We're talking about having enough information to describe a volume, but encoded on a 2D surface. So a hologram is when you can describe something using only two dimensions, but it has enough information to describe the full 3D volume. And that's not always possible, right? It's not always possible to describe a 3D object in terms of a 2D surface. It depends on what you can do with that 2D surface. Like, how do we make holograms? How do you have those like baseball cards where it looks like the player is moving as you turn it? And they do that by adding information to the 2D surface. Like they have these little ridges on the surface so that when you look at the image, you're seeing like a different part of those ridges and they have like different images on different parts of those ridges. So they've like done something to encode, to add information to the 2D surface so that you have the whole 3D thing actually printed down there on 2D. Right, because they, they sort of like fool your eyeballs into thinking it's 3D, right? Like they give one image to one eyeball and they give another image to the other eyeball and somehow you think it's 3D, but really it's all on a 2D surface, except that on that surface they sort of cleverly print things so that it somehow delivers different information to each eye. Yeah, and different information to each eye gives you the illusion of depth, but also I think it's crucial that as your head turns in relation to the 2D surface, you see a very different image. 
Like if you just have a picture printed on a flat piece of paper, then as your head turns, you're seeing the same picture. You're seeing it from a different angle, but you're seeing the same actual information. In a hologram, as your head turns and you're looking at the 2D surface from a different angle, you're actually getting a different image. The image you're seeing is changing in just the same way it would if it were a 3D object and you could like look behind it or look over its shoulder or something. You're revealing more information. That's the experience that makes your mind think it's a 3D object. Mm. Now, how did this work really quickly? Do they do they encode like the image and from every possible angle? Or is there something more to like, you know, how they use lasers and stuff like and special materials to sort of encode that 3D information? There's a lot of different ways to do it. None of them are perfect. We can't do a complete perfect hologram yet in our universe. Uh, you know, like those baseball cards, they have a little bit of an angle there. It's obviously not a 3D object. That's done by having these little ridges so that when you look at it from a different angle, you actually see a different image. Sort of like those billboards that change as you drive by them because there's actually like a bunch of different pictures printed uh, at different angles. And the more clever ones, the more impressive ones use interference tricks. They send multiple beams of light from every point on the surface. And then where you are, you get a different kind of interference from those different beams. And that's what creates the sort of illusion of 3D. The dependence on your angle comes from the interference effects. All right, pretty cool. And then I guess the question is, how could our universe be a hologram? Are you saying that we're like maybe printed on a surface somewhere with the ridges? Or do you think maybe we're, you know, the, what we think is the, our 3D universe is actually printed on a some surface somewhere? Or maybe there are, everything's at one surface. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's the idea that maybe our universe can be described. The three dimensions of our universe of space and time and gravity can be described by information you could put onto a 2D surface. And so then that begs the question like, well, if our universe feels like it's 3D, but is equivalent to a 2D universe, what's the real universe? Is the real universe two dimensions with some weird extra bits encoded onto that two dimensions? Or is it actually three dimensions? You know, which one is like physically, fundamentally the true universe and which one is like a mathematical equivalence? Well, I guess the, the question here would be if we're actually like a 3D universe printed on a 2D surface, then like who, which, which of the dimensions is uh, fake? Do you know what I mean? Like is up and down fake and somehow <laughs> it's encoded in the left and right, front and back? Or how would that even like, how, where do you, what do you do with the extra dimension or where does it come from? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, out in the depths of space, of course, every direction is the same. You could just pick a direction and it's just as good as any other direction. So it's not like up and down or left or right or back and forth really have any meaning in terms of the universe. So on that 2D surface, it's not like two of our space dimensions exist and the other one is just deleted. It's some other kind of space. So like take our three dimensions, X, Y, and Z, they map to two weird dimensions on that surface, call them, I don't know, A and B, but they're not like physical space dimensions the way we think about them. And then there's something else going on on that surface that lets you like encode Z, that lets you take that third dimension and make sure that that information is not lost. But I guess if that information is there, wouldn't it basically be another dimension? Or are you saying that it's somehow encoded through some trick by the first two dimensions? No, it's basically there. And so the information is fundamentally equivalent, but it's like a different sort of structure. Like we're talking about mapping our universe, which has three dimensions and gravity and all this kind of stuff into like an abstract space. 
uh, something which is like where we talk about quantum field theory on that space. And we talk about the relationships between points on that two dimensional surface. And so that has effectively three dimensions because it's two dimensions plus some other weird piece of information in the quantum field. There really are two different sort of visions of the universe. One is you have three dimensional space and gravity and everything moves along. And the other is that you have a two dimensional space. But then on that space is this quantum field, which is capable of encoding a third dimension. All right. Sounds a bit technical. So let's dig into the details of that. But first, let's take a quick break. You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like how you feel when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, while Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording all this? So it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Personally, I've used Mint Mobile, and the calls are always so crisp and so clear. All of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. So it's time to ditch your overpriced wireless and go with Mint Mobile's limited time deal for three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Slower speeds above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities, but it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time off to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life to immerse myself in natural beauty and have a unique experience. But you don't have to leave the United States to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. People from Puerto Rico are called Boricuas, but it's not just a name. It's a spirit, a flavor, a rhythm that you can only find in one place on Earth. Puerto Rico. It's embodied by these proud, passionate people, and you'll feel it in every part of the island. When you bask in the warmth of the beaches, when you taste the love in the food, when you embrace the call of adventure, you'll find the Boricua spirit in yourself as well. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. You can forget where you came from and embrace where you are in Puerto Rico because your visit ends, but the stories last forever. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust 
into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're wondering if the universe is all it seems to be or whether it's kind of inflated in a way. Whether it's it's fooling us into thinking there it has three dimensions, but really you're saying it could have two dimensions plus like a little pocket uh, value or field that tells you, that gives you that third extra feeling of a third dimension. Yeah, and you know, all of this goes into trying to understand what is the nature of space itself? Like what is this thing we call space? And I think that's really interesting and like historically to think about how the ancient thinkers thought about space, you know, Newton and Descartes and those folks just thought about space as like the backdrop of the universe. It was absolute. It was fundamental. Obviously, you had to have space and everywhere in the universe has to have space. And more recently, we've learned that space does weird things. It bends, it wiggles, it shakes, it expands, it does all these crazy things. And now we're not even sure what space is. We talked about it on a podcast episode recently whether it's possible to even have parts of the universe that don't have space in them, you know, a universe without space. So part of this just goes to like trying to understand what is the nature of this space? What are the rules of it? Is it really three dimensions where all those three dimensions are equivalent? Or is it actually two dimensions with one extra tricky dimension that's making us feel like it's three dimensions? And that's why these are, I think, are deep and important questions. It's like maybe we think we're in, you know, X, Y, and Z space, you know, front, back, top, down, left, right. But really, we're actually in like a B space mm -hmm. and each point in A B space has a little special C value that maybe somehow those three things combine give us the feeling of X, Y, and Z. But really it's just A and B with a little extra C. Yeah. And that all motion, all actual physical motion only occurs along that surface, right? That A and B value. All right. So uh, let's get into why we would think that. It sounds like a pretty crazy idea. I mean, if I think about it, I'm pretty certain we are in 3D space. You know, I can move up and down, left and right, front and back, and I can, things, when I touch them, they feel like they're three-dimensional. Why would we think it's not? For a long time, we did think it was 3D space, and that felt pretty settled. Though there are ideas about how the universe might have more dimensions, you know, 11 or 26. Uh, but this particular idea that the universe might be 2D instead of having more dimensions came from the craziest thing in the universe. And so, of course, it came from studying black holes. And you know how on the Extreme Universe series, I'm always saying, like, we look at the extremes of the universe because it shows us what's possible. It breaks the rules. It stretches them. That's exactly what happened here. People were looking at black holes and trying to understand, like, what is on the inside of a black hole? What's it like in there? And some people had this crazy idea. Maybe it's not like anything. Maybe there is no inside to a black hole. Maybe all there is to the black hole is the event horizon. Maybe black holes are actually just two dimensions. Yeah, we've had episodes about what happens when you go inside of a black hole and what they are. And I think the idea is that like when something sort of goes 
towards a black hole, because of the way it bends space and time, it never actually goes in, right? Like it basically stops at the surface forever in a way. It depends on who you ask, which is the tricky bit. So if you are watching something fall into a black hole, then as it gets closer and closer to the black hole, space is curved more and more. And then there's more and more gravitational time dilation, which is an effect where time slows down where space is curved. And so the closer you get to the black hole, the more time slows down. And so you never actually reach it. You have to wait for time equals infinity to see something actually fall into a black hole. That's if you're the person on the outside watching, right? If you're the person jumping into the black hole, then you don't experience any of that. And just like in relativity, your experience of time depends on who you are, where you are, and how fast you're going. And so in this case, you just fall right in. You pass through the event horizon. You head towards the singularity. And so people are wondering, like, what's going on? How can everything be smeared on the outside of the black hole and also be inside the black hole? How is that possible? You're saying it depends on who you ask, right? Like to us on the outside, and uh, far from a black hole, hopefully, things get smeared on the surface of the black hole, the event horizon. But you're saying to the person falling in, they just fall right in. But at time infinity for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, we see them fall in only at time equals infinity, but they see themselves fall in, you know, very normally and very naturally. And these two things contradict each other. And so often in relativity, you have people having different accounts of the same situation and both being correct. And that's possible in scenarios where there's like no causal link uh, between the events. They have a time-like relationship, for example. But here it's hard to understand, you know, how the black hole actually accumulates stuff, whether there are actually are things inside the black hole. And it goes to this question of like the black hole information, right? We talked about how if you put something into a black hole, then its information is inside the black hole. Like you throw a banana in there, where does its energy go? Where does its entropy go? Where does its quantum information go? And people are trying to understand like what happens when these black holes evaporate. Is everything actually on the surface of the black hole? And so it never really fell in. And so its information wasn't lost or was it inside the black hole actually? And when the black hole evaporates, its information is somehow lost. So it's important whether it's actually gone inside the black hole or not. And then can you still slip on the banana though <laughs> if it's on the surface of the black hole? That's really the important question. I mean, that's what this <laughs> whole just thing has been building towards. Know. Well, I mean, if you're going to do a cartoon <laughs> on the surface of a black hole, you want to make it physically accurate, right? And every cartoon's got to have somebody slipping on a banana. And so I appreciate your desire here to do physically accurate black hole surface cartoons. Thank you. Comedy, yeah. And then you laugh about it at the end of time. <laughs> no, but I think what you're saying is that there's this kind of paradox, right? Like we think things splat on the surface, and but, some, but according to the people going in, they go inside. And so there's this kind of idea that maybe, you know, once you go inside, you're just like on a 2D surface of the black hole. Yeah, that was sort of the start of the puzzle. Like how do you reconcile these two things? They seem like fundamentally very different things. And Hawking and this other guy, Beckenstein, were working on this and trying to understand like, where's the information in a black hole? How does it actually work? And they were working on this one day and they were calculating how much information can be encoded inside a black hole. They were working on these calculations of black hole entropy, thinking about black holes as like, thermodynamic objects with temperatures that radiate and all this stuff. And one day they arrived at this equation and this equation told them that the amount of information inside a black hole doesn't depend on the volume of the black hole. It depends on the area of the surface of the black hole. 
So like it doesn't depend on the radius cubed, it depends on the radius squared. And that's kind of interesting. That's a suggestion. It says like, hmm, the maximum information you can store in a black hole depends on the area of its surface, not on its volume. That suggests that maybe actually these are just two-dimensional objects. Like a black hole is just a two-dimensional object? But we see it grow, right? Don't we see it grow? Doesn't that mean that it has volume to it? It could be a two-dimensional object embedded in our 3D world, right? Like the surface of a sphere technically is a 2D object. It's embedded in a three-dimensional universe. It has a radius. It can move around in three dimensions. But it's actually a 2D object, like an infinitely thin sheet of paper would also be a 2D object. So that's where this idea of a holographic universe, hologramic, <laughs> hologramic? Holographic principle of a holographic universe, meaning the universe is a hologram. <laughs> so you're saying that the, a black hole could be a two-dimensional object in our 3D world. So how do we go from there to the whole universe is just 2D? <laughs> oh, we didn't yet. First, we're trying to understand the interior of a black hole. And the first step was to think, well, maybe the interior of the black hole is a hologram. Right. Maybe there is no interior. So if you are that person that fell into the black hole and you think you're on the inside of the black hole, you're actually not. You're actually still on the surface. But the whole surface of the black hole has enough information to encode what feels like a 3D internal volume. So first, before we go to the whole universe, people thought maybe the 2D surface of a black hole is a hologram that projects the 3D interior. So then what happens as the black hole grows? The whole inside stays on the surface, but it grows with the black hole? Oh man, you can't think about that. You can't change the parameters. This only works for a single thing falling into a black hole. It gets much more complicated as soon as you add like something else to a black hole. You know, for example, if you throw a banana into a black hole, then in principle, it never actually enters the event horizon. It's smeared across the surface forever, right? And that's what we're talking about. Now, if somebody behind you throws in an apple, everything changes because that apple will now change the shape of the event horizon. The event horizon will actually grow out to meet that apple as the apple falls in and it will absorb the banana. So it's a totally different scenario if you're now like tossing in multiple things into the black hole. Not even something we're capable of thinking about carefully. <laughs> but that, that is what's happening right now in the universe, right? Like black holes are constantly sucking stuff in. Things are constantly falling into it and they're constantly growing. So why would we think that that's what's going on then? Yes, that is definitely what's happening in the universe. And we see black holes actually growing. And so we don't know what's going on there. If you're the banana and you're like smeared across the black hole surface and then somebody else throws in an apple and it increases the size of the event horizon, it increases the surface area. And now that surface area in theory should be capable of describing a larger internal volume. There is nothing actually inside the black hole in this picture. Inside the black hole, there's no space. There's nothing. There isn't anything in there that's not 3D space that you can move around in. There's just this weird surface that has mathematically encoded onto it enough information to describe a 3D space. So the banana and the apple feel like they're in a normal 3D space inside the black hole, but they're still smeared across the edge. All right. So then thinking about black holes and what happens at the surface is what sort of led us to this idea of a universe as a hologram. Like, are you saying that we're a universe imprinted on the surface of a black hole? Or are you saying that this, just thinking about black holes led us to think like, oh, maybe the whole thing is imprinted somewhere else? Yes, exactly. This idea from black holes led us to think more carefully about the relationships between 3D spaces and 2D spaces. 
and there was a bunch of guys working on string theory. And string theory is really, really difficult. It's really hard to do any sort of calculation in string theory. And sometimes when a problem is too difficult, you look for like a mathematical trick to make it easier. There was this idea that you could have a three-dimensional universe encoded on a two-dimensional space. And some folks realized that if you did that with string theory, it might solve some mathematical problems. Like if it's too difficult to do a calculation in two dimensions, well, what if it's actually a three-dimensional universe and you can do the calculation there. And so people were playing around with that and realizing, oh, you can play the same game, not just with the black hole, but with string theory. And so maybe you can describe the entire three-dimensional universe that has strings in it as a two-dimensional service. And that would make some calculations easier to do and other calculations actually harder to do. But they sort of projected this whole idea onto the universe. And, you know, that's a really fun moment in science when you're like, build a tool over here and you're like, oh, this is cool. This solves this problem. And then you turn around, and you're like, hold on a second. Maybe I could do this to everything, you know. <laughs> Maybe I can make it two thirds easier <laughs> so I don't have to uh, do as much math. Yeah. And so there was this really big, important result by a guy at the Institute for Advanced Studies in Princeton, one of that collection of smart folks over there called ADSCFT, which you can Google if you're interested in more details about it, or maybe we'll do a podcast episode about that. But it gave us this vision that maybe the entire universe can be described uh, in terms of being a 3D illusion of a two-dimensional surface uh, somewhere. All right, well, I have two questions <laughs> for this three-dimensional three problem. I guess the first one is, where did the third dimension go? Like, how is it being encoded in this 2D surface? And two, could we ever tell the difference that whether or not we are in a hologram or not? So let's get into these questions. But first, let's take another quick break. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities, but it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time off to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life to immerse myself in natural beauty and have a unique experience. But you don't have to leave the United States to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. People from Puerto Rico are called Boricuas, but it's not just a name. It's a spirit, a flavor, a rhythm that you can only find in one place on Earth. 
Puerto Rico. It's embodied by these proud, passionate people, and you'll feel it in every part of the island. When you bask in the warmth of the beaches, when you taste the love in the food, when you embrace the call of adventure, you'll find the Boricua spirit in yourself as well. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. You can forget where you came from and embrace where you are in Puerto Rico. Because your visit ends, but the stories last forever. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right, Daniel, here's my favorite question in these episodes. What does it all mean, man? <laughs> like if we're actually, if our 3D universe is actually imprinted on a 2D surface somewhere, like where did the third dimension go? Is it just an illusion? Is it actually there? You, you mentioned like maybe it's encoded in some quantum fields. Can you talk more about that? Like how does, how would that encode a whole dimension? Yeah, so think about space, right? You think about space as emptiness. But we actually know that space isn't just empty, that everywhere in the universe, space has these things in it we call quantum fields. And what is a quantum field? Well, it's just like a number at every point in space. So, for example, you know, there's the electromagnetic field. And anywhere you go in the universe, you can ask, what's the strength of the electromagnetic field here? What's the strength of it over there? It's something that has like a value at every point in space. And the EM field is actually more complicated because it has more than just a value. It has like multiple values for every point in space, but that doesn't matter. So this is something which is sort of like added to space. You know, it's like if instead of just having a city with an address where you have a, a house at every location, now inside that house, you have a number, like how much is that house worth, right? So that's like another piece of information at every point in space. It's encoded into this quantum field. But there's lots of quantum fields, though. You're saying this like extra information is, in, is encoded in all the fields or like there's one quantum field for basically the Z direction? Yes, there's a special quantum field because if you just have a quantum field, it can have like arbitrary random values and that doesn't give you like a dimension. Instead, if you have a special quantum field that follows certain rules, 
These are called conformal field theories. If you have a quantum field which looks the same if you zoom in really, really close or if you zoom out really, really far, if it tends to follow the same rules, but things that are zoomed in really, really close don't interact very well with things that are zoomed out really, really far, then the mathematical structure of that quantum field theory has some symmetries to it which allow things to behave exactly as if there was a third dimension. Like if things that are zoomed in really, really small don't interact with things that are like really zoomed out in this quantum field theory, then it's sort of like things passing by each other in that other dimension. And, you know, if there's a scale that you can like zoom in and zoom out, then it's sort of like there's another direction there in this quantum field. And so this is like a way to encode something into the quantum field by adding a bunch of rules for how it behaves. And those rules essentially make it as if it was exactly like a dimension. I kind of feel like maybe you're trying to pull a fast one on me here, here Daniel. I am 100%. <laughs> I feel like trying to, you're trying to uh, paint an illusion here. I feel like maybe you're saying that there maybe are three dimensions, but one of them, you don't want to call it a dimension. You know what I mean? Like maybe it feels like maybe it's just like a technicality about the naming of it. But if it acts and looks like a dimension, why not just call it a dimension? <laughs> I got nothing against calling it a dimension, but it is different from the other two, right? And our program here, not just on this podcast, but as humans trying to scratch out the nature of the universe is to figure out the nature of the universe. And so if it turns out that two of the dimensions are different from a third dimension, then that's quite interesting. And so we'd be fascinated to discover, for example, that our universe was actually one dimensions with like two weird projected dimensions instead of being three dimensions. Or if we were like, you know, a three dimensional surface in a four dimensional space, I think I would definitely want to know that. You know, it doesn't change how you live your life necessarily or whether you should buy insurance. Yes, definitely buy insurance. But it changes, I think, our concept of the nature of reality. So I definitely want to know, even if mathematically the two things are totally equivalent physically it means that one of these dimensions is not the same as the other two right but is it not the same in that fundamental of a way or is it just different in a sort of like notation mathematically way no i think it's fundamentally different because that would mean that space itself is two dimensions and remember one of our goals here is to understand the nature of space and so space itself is two dimensions but then it has these properties you know these properties which allow it to do things that three-dimensional space would do then that's different from living in three-dimensional space yeah i feel like you're trying to pull a Pluto here on the up and down dimension or something. It's like, it's technically a dimensionoid, not a dimension. It's a dwarf dimension. Yeah, exactly. But you know, some of these calculations, these string theory calculations are harder to do in a certain number of dimensions and they make more sense in fewer or in more dimensions. And so if the sort of fundamental theory of everything turns out to only work in two dimensions and not in three, that also sort of tells you something about the nature of the universe itself. You know, the universe prefers the two-dimensional description. I mean, in theory, you could describe the universe in terms of any number of dimensions you want, but we're looking for the most compact, the simplest, the most natural description that we hope reveals not just the way we are thinking about things, but the actual structure of the physical universe outside our minds. And I guess it also sort of depends on what you define as space, right? Like space, if you define space as only the two dimensions you like, then yeah, there's it's only a 2D space. But if you maybe define space as <laughs> these two dimensions plus this extra, you know, valley of the, of the quantum field, then, you know, maybe that is what space is, quote unquote. 
Mm -hmm. That's definitely what our experience of space is, right? Either space is naturally three-dimensional or it's two dimensions with this extra wiggle room in it that allows us to experience it as if it was three dimensions. I mean, it sounds to me like your question is sort of like saying, isn't a hologram actually a 3D object? Like, well, no, it's not really there. You know, like it really is just a 2D surface. A uh, baseball card isn't actually three dimensions. And you might say, well, it doesn't look any different. If you couldn't actually tell, what would it matter? Well, it matters to me because I want to know the truth, man. What does it all mean? All right, well, let's get into the, the last question here, which is um, how would we even tell if we are in a 2D or 3D universe, right? Like if the difference is so small or subtle or kind of sort of like, uh, you know, complex, will we ever be able to, you know, devise an experiment to tell us whether we are 2D or 3D? Well, we're not sure, but there are some folks out there who have some really fun ideas for figuring out if we actually live on a 2D surface. And the idea is that a 2D surface with a projection and a 3D surface would actually be different because there would be different quantum fluctuations. Like we're talking about a quantum field generating this third dimension, right? And so we would definitely be sensitive to like the way these fields fluctuate. And quantum fields fluctuate differently in two dimensions and in three dimensions. We had a whole fun podcast episode about the nature of 2D objects. You should go check that out. But things move differently in two dimensions and in three dimensions. And so they fluctuate differently. And so we can see like, quantum fluctuations from the very, very beginning of the universe. Quantum fluctuations, you normally think of like, oh, this electron went left instead of right and nobody really cares and nobody can ever see them. But in the very beginning of the universe, those fluctuations dictated like how things happened and they got blown up into real measurable effects. So if there was a 2D world, we would see different quantum fluctuations than in a 3D world. And we might be able to see hints of that in remnants of the early universe. Oh, I see. Because at the, when the universe was born, you're saying at the Big Bang, you know, it was, things were so compact and hot and small and, and dense that quantum fluctuations were a big deal. And so as the universe blew up, if there was actually only two dimensions, then we would see something funny going on right now in sort of the, the universe around us. And because this bonus dimension is responsible for making the third dimension and affecting how gravity works in this three-dimensional world, we should be able to see it in gravitational wave detectors. Basically, the bottom line is that if we live in a two-dimensional world with a funny bonus dimension, we should be able to see a weird sort of like noise in gravitational wave detectors that you wouldn't otherwise see. This noise would be like an extra fuzz or a unique kind of fuzz that comes from the 2D surface instead of being in a 3D world. But I think you're saying, you're not saying that there's like one dimension that's fake. You're saying that, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like Z is fake. It's more like... X, Y, and Z ma actually map to A, B, and uh, a little bit of and something bonus called C. You wouldn't see flat gravitational waves, for example. You would see some weird mathematical or some weird dependency on the, on the gravitational waves. Yeah, exactly. The idea is if all the three dimensions are not the same, if two of them are actual dimensions and one of them is just a bonus, then there are different rules for those dimensions And when it comes to things like quantum mechanics. And so they have different impacts on things like gravitational waves. And we should be able to see if there's like two dimensions of noise in the gravitational waves or three dimensions of quantum noise in the gravitational waves. Uh, that was the idea, at least. There's this guy from Lab, Craig Hogan, 
who said in 2008 that he had a prediction for what he thought these gravitational wave detectors should see if we actually lived in a holographic universe, if we lived in a 2D world projected into 3D by our minds, then we should see this extra fuzz in these experiments from these gravitational wave detectors. So that was his prediction in 2008. So we've actually seen gravitational waves now with the LIGO experiments. And so have we seen this noise? Is there evidence for a holographic universe? So there was sort of a moment of excitement because he sent his prediction. He's like, here's what you should see. You should see this kind of fuzz if you look at your data. And then they sent him back some data and it looked just like the fuzz he predicted. And so for a moment, people were like, what? Hold on a second. Did Hogan just prove that we live in a hologram? But then it turns out that, you know, he might have seen that plot already. He might have known in advance the kind of noise that they were seeing. What? It might have been a post-diction and not a pre-diction, right? And, you know, these gravitational wave detectors are very tricky and have a lot of noise in them. And the whole game is getting them to be quiet and noise-free so you can see gravitational waves. So it's not that impressive to, like, find noise in a gravitational wave detector. It's almost like the noise is the illusion, right? Like you can project anything <laughs> you want into that noise yeah. if you do the theory right. Exactly. And so people did some other calculations and they realized that, oh, even if he's right that you can see it in this way, then the size of the noise he predicts is much, much smaller than anything we're seeing. So, so far we don't have any evidence that we're living in a holographic universe or that the universe is a hologram. But there are clever people out there thinking about ways to sort of probe this and looking for clues around the edges of stuff to see if we're just living on a baseball card. Well, I hope it's a valuable one, not one of those <laughs> common cards. It's got a baseball player slipping on a banana near a black hole. But they, you only think he's slipping. He's actually <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> you have to wait till the end of time to see him actually slip on the banana. All right. Well, I guess once again, the, the answer is stay tuned. We think it's possible. Well, we know it's possible we could be in a 2D sort of universe. But I guess we don't have the instruments right now to tell the difference or we don't know the right way to tell the difference even. That's right. People are still thinking about it and coming up with ways to predict it. And there are folks out there thinking about clever experiments that might be sensitive to the nature of space. Is it really two plus one dimensions or is it three dimensions? We don't even know. But maybe in the future, somebody will unravel this. Somebody will figure out that it only makes sense for it to be two plus one. Or one of these listeners out there will come up with a really awesome experiment to probe the very nature of space and time. Time. And in the meantime, I guess you should watch out for those 3D snacks because you, you are still three-dimension as far <laughs> as everyone knows. That's right. Just toss them in the black hole and watch for infinity as they very slowly fall in. <laughs> it's the long-term <laughs> diet. There you go. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed that. And it didn't, uh, what, flatten your mind, Daniel? I hope it doesn't change the nature of your experience in this universe because that third dimension is pretty fun. I like being able to step over puddles rather than having to walk through them or go around them. So let's all savor and enjoy that third dimension, at least while we know it's real. Well, we hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.